NMLS number 65084, Equal Housing Lenders. Woo! Tax season is here, which means you've received or are expecting that tax refund any day now, and you're thinking about what to spend it on. How about a new home? With SaveWithConrad.com, we're helping renters become homeowners every single day, and it's more affordable than you think. You don't need perfect credit. You don't need a huge down payment. In fact, you may not need a down payment at all. At SaveWithConrad.com, we take the stress out of the home buying process. We'll determine your buying power. We'll even help you find a realtor. And unlike the banks, we don't say no. We say not yet, but here's how. So if you're not ready right now, we'll get you on a plan to be ready. Stop throwing your money away, paying someone else's mortgage with your rent and start the path towards owning your own home today at SaveWithConrad.com. Hey, hey, it's Conrad Thompson and you're listening to Grilling JR with the voice of wrestling, Mr. Jim Ross. Jim, how are you, man? I'm freezing to death, Conrad, in Florida. This ain't Florida weather I'm, I'm living in. It's 60 degrees and wind out of the north. Wow. And it's funny watching what these Floridians wear when it gets just a little bit chilly. Parkas, scarves, gloves. It's just amazing. But uh, it's cold here. And, and then I'm going to Chicago this week to, to connect to go to Milwaukee. Uh, some folks may have already seen that show. I don't know. In any event, life is good though. Life is good. I'm fine. I'm healthy. Good news on my foot. My wound has reduced in size by 43%. Wow. And I think that's a, that's a, that's a win. That's a win. I go still go back every week to the wound doctor, clean it up, make sure there's nothing funny going on. They take cultures to make sure, you know, the worst thing happens. I don't know what I do. Somebody the doctor said, well, I got bad news for you. Your cancer's back. Well, I don't want to hear that shit. No kidding. So, no, so thus far, it's, <coughs> pardon me. It's, it's good, but I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm healthy. I'm healthier than I've been. I feel better than I've been. Uh, you and I were talking before on the air. I don't think I took a pain pill all weekend. That's and that's nice. very unusual with this, with this wound. It's just sensitive. Just, you can't, you can't, uh, protect it very much. So anyway, I'm, I'm all right. There are people got it a lot worse than me. So I'm happy. I'm happy, Connie. How about that? Happy Jr. But I could be red ass Jr. too, and a, a drop of a hat. Well, we'll get there by the hat. end of the show. I'm sure we'll find a way, <laughs> okay. wake him up, see what he's doing. Hey, let's yeah. talk about the man. There's so much news. You know, you and I, um, we played a best of last week because we were both traveling, and it was pretty cool. We were able to play some of your old radio shows from way back. I heard, then, yeah. That our friend I got Dennis good feedback Brent, too, Connie. People loved it, man. It was like a time capsule. It was interviews with Mick Foley, Tony Schiavone, and Dusty Rhodes for more than 30 years ago. Really cool stuff. If you haven't already, go check it out. It's available now in the archives. And there's way more of that behind the paywall over at adfreeshows.com. But man, in the two weeks that we've not spoken here, my goodness, a lot in wrestling has changed. Yeah. Let's talk about it from the beginning. WrestleMania. It was the biggest, most successful WrestleMania in history. The most viewed WrestleMania ever highest revenue ever $20 million in sponsorship. You know, so awesome. I, I think over the weekend, it's like $23 million at the gate, but still 20 million in sponsorship is just unbelievable. An all-time record and uh boy, lots of people talking about the result of night two Cody Rhodes didn't get his hand raised 
If you were making the call, would you have pulled the trigger on Cody? Or do you like the longer story? I like the longer story, to be honest with you. And it really doesn't have anything to do with Cody as much as it does with storytelling. Uh, the chase that he can embark upon, uh, if done properly can be extremely successful for Cody and, 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 uh, WWE, uh, fighting for something, battling it out, earning the opportunity. Uh, it's just like, he just got here and he's in a title match type thing. Now, would I have liked to see Cody for his own personal edification, win the title? Absolutely. I'm a Cody fan. It, but I do like the fact that they're going to make him earn it, so to speak, and get on this journey. And you know that Heyman and company will have a million roadblocks and it'll involve a lot of different characters. It'll give a lot of people a rub as they say. So, uh, I, I had no problem with it. I know a lot of people did, and I can understand that. I can understand it. Hey, if they're gone the other way and Cody had gone over, I'd have been happy. Right. But I think, I think it was not a disaster. For Cody to not win the title because it gives them a potential story that has a, a very potentially anyway, a very long arc and uh, easy to understand, easy to follow storyline that on all roads will eventually lead back. No pun intended on the roads, but all roads will eventually lead back to Roman Reigns and, and, uh, and Cody somewhere. If it were me, I know where it'd be be at WrestleMania next year. Right. That after everything he's gone through, blah, 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 after coming close last year and he's overcome, overcome, overcome. Finally, the day has come for the rematch. So that's one idea. That's just a matter of using, uh, uh, smart booking. And, uh, so, you know, that's my take on that deal. I, I, I know a lot of people were pissed off. Yeah. I don't know that it was, I know you're, you went out there to see Cody work. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, so, uh, I know you're disappointed, but I, and I understand that disappointment. I'm not even criticizing it whatsoever. I just think that this long-term arc to get him back to the promised land is the way to go. It's good storytelling, especially for a company that produces, uh, five hours of big time live television a week, three hours of raw, two hours of SmackDown. They need stories. They need stories that have a direction and a purpose and a reason. And certainly there's plenty of reason to promote, uh, the eventual, uh, return match. I can't wait to see what's going to happen next year in Philadelphia today. We're actually going to be talking about a Philadelphia show. I can't believe this is real, but as you're listening to this today is the exact 25th anniversary of the end of the 83 week streak where nitro beat Monday night raw in the ratings and what else would topple that, but stone cold, Steve Austin actually wrestling Vince McMahon with one arm tied behind his back. We're going to be talking about that here in a few minutes, but before we do, I wanted to talk about the other big news from WWE. It came out, uh, that same WrestleMania weekend, but then it was made very official first thing Monday morning. WWE is entering a new era. I think a lot of people were looking for a quote unquote sale. It's more of a merger though. UFC being combined with WWE all under the endeavor umbrella, Dana white and Vince McMahon on the same team. Did you think we'd ever see this? Not really, but I, I'm excited about it. The synergy between those two guys could be uh, overwhelming. Uh, they're both 
old school promoters, old school mindset. Uh, and if they get there at that old maintain an old school mindset, they're, they're a, that could be a very powerful force. I, I say this, I think it was a good move. Uh, the, the numbers that I saw, uh, were scary, uh, and just unbelievable. The billions, we're talking about billions now. <laughs> so, uh, I, I don't know. I, I think it's a, it was a good deal and time will tell how good a deal it is, but I got a feeling with all those powerful players in, 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 in play, it's going to be good. It's going to be good for those guys. I think a lot of people are nervous that, um, well, I mean, it's even some of the quotes that were out were that this was going to create some efficiencies and some synergies. And those are buzzwords that a lot of times in corporate America mean layoffs. And you take a look at when Endeavor first acquired UFC, they cut a boatload of spending. I think there were 70 million in cuts. They're projecting a hundred million dollars in cost reduction here which could mean that they're just going to cut some costs. It could mean they're going to change some talent contracts or maybe not be as aggressive, but it probably also means some layoffs. Would you be nervous yeah. if you worked in WWE right now? Well, yeah, if I didn't, I was confident that my spot was secure and my work had not been good and I had not become a high maintenance pain in the ass, uh, then yeah, I, I would be concerned. I do think there'll be some layoffs. I just think it's inevitable with this sort of transaction, uh, where they go through and do a clean sweep of where the extra costs are so they can contribute more to their new bottom line. So we'll see, but you could almost count on some people not getting contracts renewed or are failing to get the number they want in renegotiation. Uh, to me, it's inevitable and it's not a bad thing. It's just, that's just the nature of the beast. I can't think of any merger where there weren't any layoffs involved, right? A big merger like this. And this is a big merger. Absolutely. Well, let's stay tuned there. Let's try to be positive. Uh, I do wonder what the, um, what the result of this merger is going to mean for wrestling as a whole. You got to think whatever is good for WWE is good for all of wrestling. And it's Absolutely. not as if last week just belonged to WWE. You guys had one of the biggest announcements in AEW history. And I'm not just talking about Jay White's debut. Can't wait to see what he's doing there. That was big though. It was he's big. a hell of a hand. He's a, he's a hell of a hand. Let me tell you. Former new Japan heavyweight champion. And if you held that big belt man over there, it means, you know, your way around the squared circle. And maybe you yeah. haven't been familiar with Jay's work. You're going to be, and you're going to be impressed. And I'm you sure, should. I'm sure you'll see him in London. I can't believe this is real all in too. August 27th, Wembley stadium. It's going to be live. They haven't announced it's on a pay-per-view yet. So a lot of people are wondering it's the hundredth anniversary of Warner brothers. Will it be on HBO max? Will it be on TV? What can we expect? But man, what a deal this is. You and I have been fortunate enough to be over there and do some live grilling JRs and man, without question, the first topic that always comes up. SummerSlam 92 and you, you weren't even there in the company yet, but it's such a, that's right. their WrestleMania three. And now all these years later, you're going to recreate that magic in that same arena. This is big time stuff, Jim. Yes, it is. And I really admire Tony Khan for being brave enough to be willing to invest serious money in promoting this massive venue. 
I hope that we the tickets go well. I enjoy how I like how they're doing the ticket sales. People are registering and they're trying to make it fair for everybody to, to, to get a ticket. I don't think that'll be a problem, but, uh, and I don't have any idea what to predict how many people are going to be there. I don't know what the capacity is going to be for wrestling, but, uh, it's a great move. It helps. It moves our brand from, uh, so let's say here in Jacksonville where the headquarters was, I guess still is. And, uh, to, uh, uh, to London, you know, we're growing and, uh, there's a, I think he'll put together a hell of a card. It'll, I think there'll be some, I think now this is me with my old school booking hat on. You got to bring in some new people, uh, to make the show, you know, like the old days, you bring, you know, you bring dusty in, he'd work with uh, so-and-so superstar Graham. They'd have a bloodbath. Well, that was, a, that was just, that's how that worked type thing. So, uh, you got to bring some new faces into these big cards, I think. And, uh, we'll see how it works out. I'm, I hope I get booked. I'm, I'm excited. I'm ready to roll. I love that. That territory has been really good to me from world of sport, ITV. I've got a lot of friends there. Uh, I'm sure they all want tickets. <laughs> so I'll just call Raphael Morphe and say, Roth, I need a help. I need a helping hand here. So, but I think it's going to be great for the company. I hope we make money on it. I think we will. And it'll give these talents a chance to see going from Daly's place to, uh, Wembley stadium. That's a hell of a journey. So I'm pulling for everybody to have their best preparation, uh, the card to be outstanding. You know, when you got to book one card and you got this list of names, you know, you got to wonder how many names are going to be added to that list that weren't previously there. I think that's important. I think you got to have some new something new, even if it's a one off, so be it. But, uh, I'm excited about this. And, uh, one of my, it's one of my favorite, ter- it's my favorite territory outside the United States. I also, of course, I'll get pissed off people in Canada, which I don't mean to do. Canada's a favorite because of short airplane trips as a rule. But this uh, London, they know they. It's nice, Conrad, to go to a place where you don't have language issues, other than the normal language issues I have normally. Uh, my southern drawl sometimes has to be repeated, even in England. So anyway, I'm excited about it. I think it's great great for us. It's great for the wrestling business. And you said a very wise thing, uh, high tides raise all ships. Yes. So I remember back in the day when, uh, McMahon was, uh, carving out WrestleMania as this amazing event that, uh, uh, you know, the, the business in mid South because of the heightened awareness of pro wrestling. And that was the wrestling that they had available to consume on a live basis, uh, was absolutely unbelievable. Our house show business was, of course, that was the main way to make money. We didn't have pay-per-view at that time. Uh, so, you know, I think, uh, it's a high tide race, ra- raises all ships and uh, we're one of those ships. Our tide's going to be raised and we're going to be ready for the, the increase and, and, and how deep the water is. Let's just, let's go, let's get it on. Let's put our roster out there to have a spectacular show where people are not just going, well, this is another night of TV. It ain't another night of TV. It's not, it's special. And it's only going to happen first, the first time once. So don't screw it up. Hey guys, are you looking for a great father's day gift idea? I know I was. 
And I found it a couple of years ago with paint your life with paint your life. You get a hand painted portrait created to fit almost any budget. And it's a great gift idea for your mom, your dad, or both. You see, paint your life transforms your photos into a one of a kind, beautiful hand painted portrait done by professional artists. You can upload a photo to create anything you can imagine, maybe in a special location or a favorite pet. There's lots of options. You pick the artist, the medium, and you even get to work with the artist to make sure it's perfect. You get started in less than five minutes and you can get the portrait in as little as two weeks. You can give the most meaningful gift you've ever given at paintyourlife.com. And there's no risk. If you don't love the final painting, your money's refunded guaranteed. And right now as a limited time offer, get 20% off. That's right. 20% off and free shipping to get this special offer. Text the word Ross to 87204. That's Ross to 87204. Text Ross to 87204. Paint your life. Celebrate the moments that matter most. Message and data rates may apply. See paintyourlife.com slash terms for details. Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about how to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford anything, wherever you listen. Can't wait to see that show. It's going to be a landmark event. Uh, circle it on your calendars now. August 27th. Uh, and man, that's the same time of year that, that SummerSlam went down out there. It's just, it's going to be special. It's going to be fun. And we're calling it all in, which man gets me going. And, uh, speaking of getting going, that's what we're all about here on the program. Talking about the way wrestling used to be wrestling nostalgia. And we're revisiting a real highlight in most of our lives as wrestling fans. The very first time we saw Vince McMahon and Stone Cold Steve Austin in the ring together. It happened on this day, 25 years ago, where else could it happen? But Philadelphia, April 13th, 1998. And just to sort of reset the show, Monday night raw had been around for over five years at that point, but with nitro coming around in 95, you guys started to go back and forth. But once the NWO was a thing, they were firmly in the lead, not once, not twice, but 83 weeks in a row. Now they had won and traded wins back and forth before that, but this streak had to be a momentum shifter. I mean, for so long, Vince McMahon and the WWF had been the high watermark in the industry and they had frankly crushed the independence, including Jim Crockett promotions where once upon a time people thought, well, that's the biggest. The NWA is the biggest, well, not anymore. Vince McMahon had been in control for so long. It was, uh, it was certainly something different for wrestling for WWF to be in the number two spot. Who would have ever predicted Vince being in the ring would be what would return you guys to the top. I don't think a lot of people, myself included would have ever called that. Well, it was a unique booking say the very least, uh, you know, we know that Vince, since he was a young man, always wanted to be in the business as a worker and his dad prevented that refused to sanction such, uh, cause I know Vince was very, he used to tell me stories about traveling with, uh, one of the valiants. I can't remember which one it was. It might've been Johnny Valiant, no, or Jerry Valiant. It's one of the valiants that, uh, 
and he even convinced Vince to bleach his hair. Yep. And, uh, didn't sit well at the house. So, uh, but, but look, I said this on this show, I believe it to be true during this specific period of time. Conrad McMahon was the best heel in WWE. Mm -hmm. I'll, I will go to my grave with that sentiment. Uh, he, he's this, he's the, the straw that stirred the Austin cocktail and they, they had amazing magic and timing and it showed how good a worker Steve is because he's working with a guy that wasn't a worker. And I admire Vince's at his age and then trying to learn and to execute a few things. Uh, he did. So it was, it had been built a long time and it was, it was the perfect main event to be on this show. We're talking about, we should just sort of reset everybody. We're fresh off of WrestleMania 14. So the Austin era has begun, uh, and you can hear all about that in the archives that's available now over at grilling Jr on youtube.com episode two of six is what you're looking for, but man, there's so much that happens between that show and this show. The night after WrestleMania is a big dog on deal. And I think that might actually be the first important Monday night raw after WrestleMania, it became a thing, the most important raw of the year and all of that. I think it's this time, 1998, where that really rings true. Of course, Shawn Michaels is going to be out of here with a back injury. So now DX is looking for uh, a, a fresh coat of paint. And they bring in Sean Waltman, who does really a shoot style promo talking about Scott Hall and Kevin Nash, and more importantly, Eric Bischoff and Hulk Hogan, and it gets everybody talking. And it really is effectively the first time someone let's just remember the storyline of the NWO is these are essentially outsiders, AKA WWF guys taking over WCW. Now you've got a guy coming back, defecting from the NWO. This is a, uh, listen, I know that if Sean Waltman were, were debuting today, he'd be in every world title conversation. This was a different era, but him being able to come in and do these shoot style promos like this, this was big time stuff here in 98. Was it not very captivating, uh, uh, television, you know, Sean's, uh, he was looking for his break and seemingly God bless him. He's always looked for that break. Uh, and he's been so close on many occasions, uh, very talented performer to say the very least. And certainly our condolences go out to him. He lost his little service dog, Lulu, and it's really adversely affected him. And, uh, I, I, uh, my heart's out for him on that deal. He's a good kid. He's not a kid anymore. But he helped us, you know, he came in and he filled a void that we needed. We needed something new and something topical and timely. And he provided that good hand to work with anybody. We know that, uh, it's not just Waltman coming in, but for lack of a better word, Shawn Michaels had been the leader of Degeneration X. And just like in traditional sports, uh, when someone goes down with injury sucks for them, but it does create opportunity within the rest of the team. Triple H is going to get elevated here and be the top guy of this faction. And of course we know we're also going to involve in this same episode, the new age outlaws. 
seemingly two journeyman guys who are kind of ships without a sail as the real double J and rockabilly. Now they're catching some steam as the new age outlaws, but pairing them together as sort of the new DX, this is where they're going to enjoy their most success as a faction. It was, uh, for lack of a better word, it was triple H's time here. Was it not? Oh yeah. Yeah. He was ready. It prepared himself and, uh, we had prepared uh, on our end that we could, the things that we could control, uh, creatively, he executed everything, uh, immaculately. He was ready for this role to be the top heel in the company. And of course, uh, he had to somehow or another circumvent his father-in-law, how that was going to work out, uh, was still to be seen, but, uh, triple H evolved into arguably the best heel in the wrestling. Uh, you know, he, for my money, he was people could still make comments on Twitter, uh, that, uh, you know, JR really hated triple H. Well, I never hated triple H my character, good old JR, the wrestling announcer and, uh, triple H, the overwhelming overbearing heel had issues. My job was to make people not like him. And that's what I was trying to do. And sometimes that's harder than, than said, because you got a guy that's got a great body. It's very athletic, uh, tremendous timing, really, really good on the stick. That's the microphone for some of you newcomers. So, uh, he was, uh, he was ready. He was ready. And it was a perfect time, I think. Uh, and I think that whole idea, Triple H had a lot of input in that, but uh, also I think it Billy Gunn, scissor me daddy and, uh, <laughs> uh and road dog, uh, added a lot of creative to that. They're both veterans. They've been around, they had experience. They knew what would work for them and what would not. So, uh, it was a hell of a crew and then we're leaving out China and there was nothing like China. So, uh, you know, it was, a it was a great, great faction to say that if, if you want to call it a faction, it was great. And I'm glad that we had the privilege of calling their matches and working with them, but I never hated triple H. I don't hate him to this very day. For what reason? Now I want to bust his balls whenever he was a heel, but I thought I was doing that to help him mature as a heel and make sure people did not mistake his, uh, abilities for goodness. He was an evil villain. And that's what I was trying to underscore with my angst. And I think it worked for a large part. Uh, yeah, it worked. Uh, he became one of the biggest heels in the history of wrestling. And of course, Sean Waltman's signing means more than just a shot in the arm creatively. Uh, Meltzer would write that it sends a message throughout the industry that the WWF was willing to pay what had become market value for top talent rather than publicly cry during a boom period of an economic boom about the amounts of money their competition was throwing around. And that really had been the issue for certainly part of 95, but all of 96 and some of 97, it felt as if Vince was saying, Hey, you know, they're throwing cash around and we're trying to run a business and I can't compete with a billionaire. And we get things like the billionaire Ted skits and the, the creative contract offer that we gave Bret Hart. But Waltman now is, uh, Meltzer says maybe the first of what maybe, uh, many, I mean, cause in this era, you had seen a lot of guys go from the WWF to WCW because supposedly 
guaranteed money, more money and fewer dates. This is really the first one coming back your way. Did that feel important to you as the guy running talent relations? Well, it felt important as much as we're getting a talented individual to rejoin our team and a guy that's hungry that had a hell of a wrestling mind could carry his load in that regard very easily. So, uh, uh, it felt good. It felt good. But I always personally like Sean. I still do. So, uh, and he was a handful at times, no doubt about it. I remember he came up to me one time and he said, he got a check, uh, for an event. I don't remember what it was. And he said, God damn it. Are you paying me by the pound? <laughs> I said, no, I'm not paying you by the pound. Uh, so, uh, he was therefore unhappy with his payday that time. But, uh, at the end of the day, we made him happy. Uh, I put him in first class, which was a no, no in Vince's vision. I put it, uh, Sean in first class because he had a bad back and sitting in those coach seats, uh, for longer periods of time is agony. Then you get to the town you're going to, and you're stiff and you're stoved up. And I don't know who wins in that equation. If you can solve it by moving it up, up to front, the front of the plane, why not? It's not like we're going to go out of business because we bought a, we upgraded Waltman from coach to first, you know, he, he deserved it. Number one. And number two, it helped his back and his medical issues. So, uh, that's what happens when you take all those crazy ass bumps when you're young, they come back. There is the residual effect of all these crazy bumps that these guys are taking. Even today, it's all going to come back to them. And if they think they're the only one that's going to avoid any lingering issues, any collateral damage, they're very wrong. Do you, um, do you recall there being a paradigm shift about the way you handled talent or the budget? I mean, it certainly feels as if there had to be one because we went from all I can guarantee you is opportunity pal Yeah. to now. Nope. Uh, here's the, the downside guarantee model. Was that something that you guys had a bunch of meetings about, or is it very abrupt and just, Hey man, times are changing. If we're going to compete, we got to do X, Y, Z go off from blank. I think pretty much the, the latter. Yeah. Uh, you know, the fact that the society had changed, business had changed, wrestling had changed, uh, Eric and his group helped initiate that change with guaranteed contracts and, and another zero or two here, there and yon. So, uh, you know, we, we knew what we wanted to do. I mean, we had to get competitive and we had to, we couldn't allow our structure to prevent us from hiring good talents that were going to contribute to our brand. So, uh, but I don't know if there was a lot of meetings. It's pretty simple. I mean, you got a, uh, it's, that's a accounting and events deal. So they, the accountants would, write, uh, would work up a model to see how it's affecting our bottom line. If we change theories and, uh, and it worked and, it, and it, there wasn't a lot of options. So, uh, but the downside guarantee, at least talent knew that they're getting an, a decent dollar guaranteed and that they managed it correctly and lived off that and not on what they perceive the overage will be, uh, at the end of the day, then they're going to be all right. So, uh, at least that was our thought. I remember I've hired so many talents where they were getting not nearly what they were getting in WCW. Ray Mysterio is a good example. Uh, 
and uh, sure love seeing him go in the Hall of Fame. He's such a lovable, good person. Yes. Uh, good man. Uh, his boy's turned into a pretty good hand, too. Uh, Dominic. It's hard to believe because I used to see him come to the shows with his dad and this little fart running around and taking bumps in the ring and having fun. So, uh, but I told Ray, I said, I can't pay, I can't guarantee you what your, what WCW is guaranteeing you. But what I would suggest that you do is that you finish out your contract there, take the time off heal. And then when your contract's up a few weeks before that, or a month before that, whatever, whatever you're comfortable with, you and I'll sign a deal. But it won't be for as much. It's not going to be pauper's wages, but it won't be as much as uh, you're getting guaranteed in Atlanta. So, uh, and he went for it and it was the right thing to do. It's good business for him. It's good business for us. And, uh, it's not like we paid him, you know, like I said, field hand wages. He still made a great living. I said, but where you're going to make your money is staying healthy and staying booked. And, uh, same thing. I had the same conversation with Chris Jericho. You know, you pay a guy in a $300,000 range and they end up at the end of the year making seven figures plus. That was the idea of the whole downside guarantee thing. And, uh, it, it seemed to work out. Okay. More often than not, you're never, when you do discretionary income, Conrad, uh, if you were in a position right now to pay all your people, what you felt like they had earned, right. You're going to have some departures because they're not going to agree with your theory. That's just human nature. Right. So I, uh, it worked out. It worked out for us. And then now they've evolved to where it's almost like the talent seemingly are on, on salary. I know it seems that way too at AEW. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing for the talent. At least they can count on what they're going to earn, uh, what they're going to take home. So it was, uh, it, it was an interesting progression to say the least, but, I, but all we were trying to do is get it right and balance the books and, and ha- hopefully have as much money go to the bottom line as possible. Simple, simple formula. Well, I'll tell you what else is a simple formula. Henson shaving. I absolutely love this product. Can't wait to tell you guys about it. I think you got to meet Henson shaving. Let me explain why it's a family owned aerospace parts manufacturer. These folks have made parts for the international space station and the Mars Rover. And now they're bringing that same precision engineering to your face. You see, they're using aerospace grade CNC machines here to make metal razors that extend just 0.0013 inches, which is less than the thickness of a human hair. That means a secure and stable blade with a vibration free shave. And this razor even has built in channels to evacuate hair and cream, which makes clogging virtually impossible. Seriously, what I love most about this razor is that Henson shaving wanted to make the best razor, not the best razor business. You see, if you're thinking about how do we make as much money as we can, we get people to buy plastic pieces of junk that are eventually going to go out of style. Cause we're going to quit making them. We're going to have proprietary blades and we're going to try to hook you on a subscription. Henson does none of that. Henson razors work with a standard dual edge blade that, well, everyone in wrestling is familiar with, except these are 0.0013 inches. And oh, by the way, that new school tech is going to give you the best shave of your life. Now here's, what's important to mention. This is the last razor you'll ever need. And once you own this razor, it's only like three to $5 to replace the blades. Think about that. Y'all we're saying three to $5, not a week. 
not a month, not a quarter, but three to $5 a year to replace the blades. So not only is Henson better than what you've been doing, because it really will give you the best shave of your life. It's also cheaper. It's time to say no to subscriptions and say yes to a razor that will last you a lifetime. Visit hensonshavingcom slash JR to pick the razor for you and use the code JR and you'll get two years worth of blades for free with your razor. Just be sure to add them to your cart. That's 100 free blades. When you head to H E N S O N S H A V I N G.com slash JR and use the promo code JR. Jim, I've got one of these. I know you do too. Henson razors, yep. man. They're the real deal. They work. Yeah. They're good. Connie. Sorry to interrupt you. Yeah. They're great. Uh, you know, we don't like to have sponsors that we don't support and we don't use, uh, their products. And, uh, this is a pleasant surprise because I've got to be honest with you, Connie. I didn't, I never heard of Henson shaving.com slash JR until we started, they started advertising here. Right. I wasn't aware of their brand but I am a kind of a razor snob and I like a good, nice shave because I don't shave every day anymore. Uh, you know, so just try to, I, don't, I should shave this this week. Uh, anyway, uh, it's a hell of a product. They didn't overthink things. And so if you have, if you shave, no matter what body part, here's your deal. And it works out great. Hansonshaving.com slash JR. I think you're going to love it. I know you're going to love it. I also love that. Uh, we see the, uh, cactus Jack chainsaw, Charlie tag title situation come to a head. Even after the dumpster match, it's a brutal cage match here where we're going to see uh, Billy Gunn and road dog join DX. There's so much happening on this Monday night after WrestleMania. Do you agree with me, Jim, that this might be the first major important, you know, Monday after mania? Arguably. Yeah. 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 Arguably. I think you're right. I think you're right. It's hard to say the most or whatever, but I think you make a very valid point there, Conrad. It's, it was, uh, it was huge. And, uh, you know, I, I look at this, our notes and it's just so good. A lot of guys are getting a chance to be stars, mm-hmm. a lot of getting a chance to be main eventers. You know, I don't remember what, uh, Billy Gunn and, and, uh, Dr. Scissor me daddy was earning or, 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 or Brian, the road dog, but I know their income went up hugely on cause they were booked and the, their downside guarantee was wiped out quickly. I think both those guys, one year, I remember, I, I don't remember what year it was. Might've been this year. I don't, I don't recall where they both made seven figures. We had 20 something guys make seven figures, uh, a year or two. Wow. And I always looked at that as success and a win for good old JR cause it let the talents make as much money as they could. And you hope that they save and prepare for the future, knowing that this run cannot and will not last forever. You can't hardly tell a talent that because they just don't buy it. Uh, but bottom line is. There's peaks and valleys, there's trends and, uh, the, the, uh, new age outlaws were what we needed at that time. They did a great job. No doubt they did. And, uh, let's talk about the, the reason that we're here. Austin McMahon, if you really go back, you got to probably go to September of 97, 
That's when Steve Austin is still recovering from being dropped on his head at SummerSlam 97. You're going to make your Madison square garden debut for Monday night. Raw. It's a big show. It's where we would see before the cameras turned on Brett visit with Vince and Vince say, can't honor your contract, pal. See if you can get that Ted Turner deal. We see the debut of cactus Jack in the WWF, but we also see stone cold, Steve Austin stun Vince McMahon. It's the first time we saw Vince in physicality like this since Brett pushed him down earlier in the year around WrestleMania season. But the idea that the chairman now who we haven't really officially acknowledged too much on camera as being the boss taking that stunner. Then of course, Austin gets escorted off to jail two months later. We see the whole Brett screwed Brett debacle in November of 1997. And that's when the, the real March for WrestleMania begins. Of course, we know two months after that, we have Mike Tyson come into the company. We have the face to face moment and Vince is furious on camera. And that's when it feels like, okay, we've got something here. Yeah. And that's January of 98. Now here we are in April of 98. We've got a backstory but it still feels illogical that you would have the boss, the former voice of the show be in the ring. Um, do you remember, how do you remember first hearing about that creative and what was your response that Vince is going to wrestle? Well, first I was surprised. Maybe I should say I was shocked, uh, because I knew that Vince would not in, engage in this endeavor. If he did not truly feel in his heart that he could pull it off, he was living his dream that we finally got to be in the ring as a wrestler. And, uh, so, you know, I, I, I was shocked. I was surprised as I mentioned, uh, he surprised me even more of this performance and he, and to Austin's credit and Vince's credit, they worked together to pull it off. But, uh, to me, it was a natural progression. It's exactly what you wanted. If you felt like uh, that, the heel, i.e. Vince, uh, was healthy enough and able to execute, uh, and protect Austin. We got to remember when I talk about Vince being the best heel in WWE during that period, it was a pivotal period because it was, uh, all the preparation and the, uh, featuring or whatever the word you want to use is all about Steve and Vince knew his role. He, we got as much heat on Vince as we could in a, in a variety of ways where he could impact and use his influence as the owner of the company, uh, to create an environment where Steve was going to say, take this job and shove it type thing. So I thought it was good. I thought it was good. They had, they, they always had good chemistry. You know, I don't recall those guys spending hours before a show, uh, going over their shit. They kind of knew where they were headed. And then they, they had lived the vast majority of it. They had an outline, but they had a, but they had great chemistry and they had a feel they had a feel for their angle. And, uh, so it worked out real well. I thought it was, and the booking on this date, perfect. We needed it. We were, it wasn't like, well, we can overtake them in the ratings if we do this. That was never discussed in my presence, but, uh, we all had a feeling that we got a chance. If we, uh, pull this thing off, we had a chance to increase our ratings and maybe even exceed the competition. This was such a, a big moment in wrestling history. I mean, wrestling fans to this day still can't get enough talk about the Monday night wars. And we broke this down on Eric Bischoff's show, 83 weeks this past Monday. And we talked about all the records that WCW set on the way here. I mean, even in March 
they're setting one record after another, just all time highs, but you could really notice a pattern. Once Mike Tyson showed up, boy, every main event on nitro was just top talent. The a-listers, the dream matches one after another. And the result is you guys were both setting all time records. And I know that we wrestling fans really like to take a look at who won and who lost, but man, if there's more people than ever watching your product on both stations, it means that both companies are making more money than ever before. There's no losers in this scenario, right? No, as we said earlier, Connie, uh, high tides raise all ships. Yes. And there's no reason that two companies in this case, uh, WCW and WWE could not both be successful. If you continue to provide the audience, the fans with compelling television programming, you got a shot. If you half ass it, you don't have a shot. I don't know how happy it made some of those the major stars in WCW to have to wrestle as often as they did because all of them had all, no, say all of them. I'm assuming that all of them had a, a date clause where they or they, I'm not talking about Tinder or something. I'm talking about how many dates they actually worked and left the house. Right. So, uh, it was, it was, a it was a unique time, man. I, I, I loved it. I love the competitive nature and you know, I didn't, I wasn't, a fa- I didn't watch nitro cause we were on the air at the same time. I didn't take my time. I should have, if something was very significant that I need to see or hear about, I had Howard. Howard kept me informed. God bless him. I think about Howard Raphael and I were driving back from, uh, uh, Rhode Island late, uh, uh, what night was it? Uh, Friday. Yeah. Friday night. We went through new Haven that exit. Mm. And I always think of Howard there. So anyhow, you make acquaintances to become friends and he was just a beloved character, but something happened on nitro. That Howard believed that I need to be aware of, I got it when I sat down in my chair that next morning. Let's talk about um, you know, this this creative. A lot has been said about WrestleMania 12, in that when Brett was trying to talk to Sean about what the plans were, sort of post-WrestleMania 12. The idea being, who do you see for your opponents? What programs, you know, what is the company going to be doing with you now as the new crown champ and Sean basically listed, well, I'm going to work with Kevin and then I'm going to work with Scott. And then I'm going to work with kid. The idea being he wanted to work with all of his friends, not be critical of that. That's what friends are for. However, there's always this question of, Hey, if he wins, who does he work with then? And I saw that criticism just a few months ago. When people were hot to try it about Sami Zayn, perhaps beating Roman Reigns. And I saw yeah. some people online saying, okay, you love Sammy in this bloodline story, but once that is finished, who would you like to see Sammy work with in the top spot? And there was a debate online about what that could look like coming out of WrestleMania 14. Do you think you guys had a firm grasp on who the opponents for Austin were going to be? I ask that because. We get Mick Foley as dude love for a bit and we get this McMahon stuff, but even the next monster pay-per-view, which is SummerSlam is against a then baby face undertaker. 
uh, the highway to hell thing. Nobody really wants to be baby face versus baby. That's what we're doing though. Did you, do you think the company had a, a real grasp on who are these lists of opponents that Austin's going to mow through after WrestleMania? Not really. Yeah. We didn't have anybody red hot, no heel red hot as we should have, you know, we know the outcomes of these matches. So, uh, I think we dropped the ball there a little bit, not taking anything away from those potential candidates or challengers, the ones, some of the ones you mentioned, uh, but it, we didn't have anybody red hot and sitting in the on deck circle, ready to step in the batter's box. Uh, we had some good talents and the key thing was making sure that it, there were opponents that Austin felt comfortable with from a physical standpoint and that he could tell a story with. And, uh, so that was. It was it really wasn't, it was like, well, also too hard to work with. It wasn't that at all. Uh, we, we just didn't get, uh, we just didn't get, uh, you know, we just weren't ready. We should have somebody hot and ready. That happens in wrestling all the time, all the time where, you know, where you're headed. Then now you're down, we're here in our location, but nobody's home. Sometimes you felt like there was, cause here's the thing, Conrad. You can't follow Austin McMahon with just anything, right? Vince is too strong. He was too over. He, Steve liked working with him. The matches were somewhat, I don't say easy, but they weren't nearly as physically taxing as, uh, as one would, as one would, uh, expect to see sometimes in that role. So, uh, that was, uh, that's, I think that's where we kind of dropped the ball there a little bit. We should have had somebody hot and ready and ready to full of piss and vinegar and momentum. And here you come here. Now we're going up to a new deal. It just didn't work that way. Well, it, it is going to be, uh, uh, an era of new debuts. Dan Severin's going to debut as Jim Cornette's new bodyguard. The future Kai and Ty are going to debut. And we even see the first Val Venus vignette air. This is a lot of new talent coming in. Uh, clearly we're still trying to grow. We're in a growth period and, you know, right after WrestleMania, that was kind of common. I mean, if you go back just a couple of years, the mankind character debuted on the Monday after mania in 1996, but two years later, we're not debuting mankind. We're debuting Val Venus. You got a little old school in you, Jim. what do you think of, uh, the Val Venus character? Well, it was a gimmick, you know, uh, Sean Morley is a hell of a hand. I, I always like his work and he was uh, reliable. All the things that a talent relations head liked, he had good skills. He could work baby face or heel. He seemed to be very reliable and he was good looking athlete, always in good shape. Uh, but th- as far as the characterization of it, I knew that it's, or at least I didn't know, I thought it had limitations. I thought it could only grow so much. It was kind of a gimmick thing, uh, attraction type thing, entertainment purposes only, so to speak. So I didn't hate it, but I knew it was never going to be on the, I wasn't probably going to book it on a main, in a live event, main event. It just wasn't there yet. Now, if you got there, I would, why not? But it, I, I wasn't overwhelmed with it. It just, to me, it had, it had built in ceiling, a built in ceiling that Sometimes you can't overcome. We should also mention this, uh, Monday after WrestleMania, we see the company debut a new world championship. Uh, the winged Eagle had been the title since 1988, 10 years later, we're going to sunset that 
We've got the new quote unquote, big Eagle, the old belt made by uh, Reggie parks, the new belt being made by, um, Joe Marshall. You see it there on the blue strap. And, uh, this is also the show where we would see Austin be arrested again. Uh, he's arrested after, uh, he hit a stunner and, and uses a phone call, his one phone call to call you Jr. I, I like involving you in a storyline here and there. This oh, was yeah. fun. Stuff. Me too, Connie. I love being in the middle of that shit. <laughs> the, um, the rap on, on, on Austin, just maybe a year and two later is that he would become more difficult to get creative approved by. He wasn't always able to communicate what he would rather do, but he readily was able to share what he didn't want to do. So right. if someone approached him and, and the creative he felt was less than he would tell them he, he wasn't happy with it. He didn't like it. Was That's that the difference in Steve and a lot of talents, a lot of talents. Conrad had the same problems, same issues that Steve had, except audience, uh, excuse me. Uh, Austin had a platform, right? And his platform kind of stood above everybody else. So what he, when he spoke, a lot of folks heard him. And uh, again, it, it, it is a. I know it sounds so old school and I date myself, which is probably not the thing for a 71 year old guy to do. Uh, but he's, uh, he, it's simple. You got a great champion. That's a baby face, right? So what is your, what is your biggest responsibility of the booker or the booking team, the creative unit? It's to create heels, create heels. If you had the roles reversed and you had a, a strong momentum fueled heel champion, you got the same challenge. You got to get baby faces that people respect and, and that they understand has a, has a potential to be the champion. The next time that the, that person wrestles the champ, same theories, it's just a different presentation and you take a different road to get to your same destination. So, uh, but Steve had a little, he had that advantage. And I, and I, to be honest with you, uh, it was challenging for me at times, but I had such a good rapport with him that we could communicate over anything. And that's what any talent relations person should strive to have. I think is open, open and honest communications with your, not just the star talent, but all the talent. And I can tell you from working in his booking meetings years and years ago, when I was just a kid with cowboy, he's always add a little extra sauce, a little extra love, uh, to your top guys. Well, is, is that, is that fair, Connie? I don't know if it's fair. Yeah, that's super that, fair. It's the wrestling business. Since I got in it in the seventies, nothing like that has changed. You take care of your top guys. They're pulling the wagon. Uh, Jimmy Johnson, the, uh, legendary coach of the Dallas Cowboys who led him to a handful of super bowls, uh, had a famous story. He liked to tell, uh, and it's where they're showing film. For the Cowboys. And of course, back then you used a projector, which meant you killed the lights. And so when they do that and the lights come back on, there's two people with their heads down on their desk asleep. He goes to yeah. the back of the room and wakes the guy up. It's a third string linebacker. As I understand it. And he says, Hey, you think you're too good to pay attention in here? Pack your shit. You're cut. Get out of here. You're fired. Wow. Walks back towards the front. Sees the other head down, shakes him on the shoulder and says, Hey, wake up Emmett. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Emmett Smith, of course, is the leading rusher in the entire league. 
Right. There are different rules for different folks here based on your contributions. And absolutely. We can say that that's not fair, but that's reality. Uh, if you're trying to run a team or run a business, but some people, some fans don't want reality. Yeah. They don't, well, they want everybody to be good and wholesome. And this is the way you do things. Nobody's arguing to this. If, if that's, it's not the ideal world, right. But it's a real world and that's how you handle things in the real world. You take care of those that are earning you the most money. It's professional wrestling. Everybody looks to see what's on the bottom line because what all is accumulated on the bottom line affects their pay big time. Well, one of those top guys who's going to get, be getting a lot of pay is the rock. Uh, he is now going to start to his ascent to take over the nation, uh, the nation of domination that is, and he's going to take out Farouk. when the rating comes in raw does a very respectable 3.79 rating, but nitro does a 4.19. And when you take a look at that, it looks like nitro really dominates the last 30 minutes of the show. And that's the cage match over on Monday night raw, but it doesn't necessarily appear that Austin is guaranteed to be there. So maybe a lesson is learned here. Let's fast forward. Um, or I guess we, maybe we should time out there. You know, when you take a look at this show that we're going to be discussing here in a minute, April 13th, 1998. It's like a, a show long thread where it seemingly starts with Vince and Austin. There's little bits of, of content with Vince and Austin all throughout the show, showing the guys getting ready and the build for the match. And then there it is in the main event, it builds the entire time. And I understand that you're trying to serve a lot of different masters. When you put together a show where you've got this incredible roster, a hall of fame roster, just one after another. You're trying to get everyone featured. And I know that's a topic these days. People say, oh, I haven't seen so-and-so in a while. Oh, they've got too many guys. They can't feature blah, blah, blah. But this story of April 13th, 1998, the show that beats nitro isn't where we're trying to feature everyone. It's where we've got one great story that we could get the fans invested in. It starts with them. It finishes with them. And we've got bits and pieces throughout the show. There's a lesson in there. Is there not Jim? Yeah. It's good storytelling. Yes. It's good storytelling, you know, uh, quite frankly, uh, and, uh, it was done correctly, uh, starting it off, getting everybody's attention that way. If you're a, you're, if you're a fan and you happen to, and you're, but you don't have a show on the, uh, on your TV at that point, your buddy could text you or call you or whatever. Hey, guess what they're doing tonight on raw. Oh, I'll check that out. So I think it was, uh, it was good. It was good. It's just good storytelling. You, it, it was all bookend. And I think that's the way to do those type of things. You, you, you entice the audience, you give them a nice tease, you give them a visual picture of what you think might happen. And, uh, then you move stealthily and succinctly to the main event. And then you give it to them. And I think that's what we did. You know, that's all oh, those tribute events. He, he was able to, you know, he wasn't a spring chicken when all this shit was going on, man. For him to get out there and put his, uh, hang his sack out there for everybody to see, so to speak, and, and, and take this thing, uh, this challenge of, of a middle-aged guy wrestling with a top heel, the responsibility to protect Steve was huge. And Vince knew that, but anybody else might not have. Vince wasn't out there trying to get his shit in or get over. He was there to be that villain villain and that vicious 
underhanded Mr. McMahon and to take care of Steve. This whole process, this whole Austin McMahon angle was all built around helping Austin get more over. And it worked because we drew, even though Vince didn't work house shows or live events, as you might call them, uh, he, uh, Austin still drew sold tickets at the house shows with it, with opponents that he necessarily didn't have an issue with or a publicized issue. They wanted to see Austin. They want to see somebody get stunned and somebody get, and, and then Austin have beers. Pretty simple. I loved it. The, um, the show that we're talking about April 13th, 1998 starts with an in-ring promo from Austin and McMahon. And uh, of course, Austin is going to say, Hey, since I don't have a, uh, a challenge set up as a title defense for the next pay-per-view, I'm challenging you to a title match tonight on this show. Now an in-ring promo to start Monday night raw was not always the way the show would be enjoyed, but it does feel like from this point forward, it became the way all of the shows started. And a lot of people found that redundant. Is there something to having a tried and true formula for what works? And is no. there too much of the good stuff? As we like to say, in the yeah, there's no, there's no tried and true formula, Conrad, it's just whatever's hot and, and how something's executed. It's been laid out creatively. Uh, I don't, I don't think anyway, I don't think there's a tried and true formula because then you get in the same situation you just mentioned. It's predictable. Yes. They start all the shows this way. Right. And I don't think that's what we, any good programmer or, or producer would, 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 would encourage. So I, I just think you got to change it up. You got to feel things, uh, but having a little action or the threat of action or violence, whatever you want to say, uh, never hurt anything. Well, maybe it's one of those deals where, you know, they, they felt like they needed something fresh. And I think a lot of times these days, you know, we would rather see a match, uh, a hot match, open a show. I would, I kind of got bored of the long 20 minute promo, Me too. Uh, uh, but I understand this was new at the time. And maybe you're feeling like you're in a rut at home. Maybe you're feeling like you need something fresh. How about hello fresh, man? I just yeah, love baby. talking about these guys. They make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. You see, here's the reason they're America's number one meal kit at HelloFresh, And it's because they know exactly what you need. You see, if you and I go down to the grocery store, we're going to buy like way too much because we don't really know exactly how much we, we need. They know. And by the way, they've got some menu items on here that I have to admit, I would be intimidated to try to make on my own a falafel power bowl, buddy in Alabama. I wouldn't know where to get started on that. <laughs> But he spill it. That's what I'm saying. But HelloFresh makes it so easy, Jim. They give you all the instructions with pictures. Man, you can do it with your kids, but I love doing it with my entire family. I, I seriously, this past Friday night, we did it as a family, had both the girls home. It was awesome. We broke out the HelloFresh. Everybody loved it. And by the way, it was done in like 15 minutes or less. Wow. And they've got something for everybody. How about fast and fresh pineapple chicken tacos? You can do it. And here's the good thing. Not only is it cheaper because you're not overbuying, it's also right. faster. It's just easier. 
but I mean it now. HelloFresh is cheaper than going to the grocery store and it's 25% cheaper than takeout. And you're going to waste less food, which is really just better for everybody. One of the other cool things about this hello fresh, when they say fresh, they mean it. These ingredients travel from the farm to your home in less than seven days. So, you know, they're fresh. It's not just dinner, by the way, hello fresh has you covered for every mealtime occasion. They've got snacks. They've got lunches. Maybe you've got a big celebration or a gathering. They can help you with that too. You don't have to be a pro in the kitchen. It's foolproof. Even JR and I can do this. It's going to arrive pre-portioned and ready to go. And by the way, if you feel like you're in a rut and we've all been there where it feels like you're eating the same thing week in, week out, HelloFresh will keep you on your toes, man. They've got 40 different recipes, over a hundred seasonal and convenience items that you can choose from each week. And with so much variety, there really is something for everybody in every lifestyle. And I have to admit, I wasn't really sure what to expect. I was excited to try new stuff, but I didn't know, can I really do this? Yes, you can. I love it. I think you will too. Go right now to hellofresh.com slash JR 50. Use our code JR 50 and you'll get 50% off. Plus wow. your first box ships for free. That's hellofresh.com slash JR 50. Use the code JR 50. You'll get 50% off and your first box ship for free. HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit. And Jim, I know you and I usually like to grill, but they make the kitchen stuff easy too here. It doesn't yeah. get any easier. Well, especially good for me here in Florida, because, uh, in my condo, uh, complex, uh, grill indoor grills or, or patio grills are, are, are not allowed. So I got to go to the kitchen. Yes. I got to I got to get my business taken care of in the kitchen and uh, hello fresh is perfect for that. And I, I, I I'm guilty of getting in the habit of going to the grocery store and buying the same stuff and it gets old. It does. And I don't know. How, I don't know how healthy it is. You know, I've been losing some weight. Sometimes I wonder if it's the cancer issues or it's just I'm eating less. I think it's the fact that I'm not consuming as much food. So, uh, but, but this is great. I love diversity. I love variety. You can command your own ship, Conrad. And uh, this is good stuff. Uh, Hellofresh.com/jr50. I think is a. Uh, it's worth the try. Yes. It costs nothing to look folks it costs nothing to look. I want you to try it. Save 50% off. Get that first box ship for free. Use our code JR 50 at hellofresh.com slash JR 50. Uh, let's also mention that this show that we're talking about April 13th, 1998, it sort of gets lost in the shuffle of things, but cactus Jack comes out and cuts a promo where he's pretty negative towards the crowd. And he has admitted that he was really sharing the way he felt he's trying to pour his heart out here. And the fans don't care about anything, but Steve Austin, he's careful not to be negative about Steve Austin, but it is negative towards the crowd. And we know that we're going to eventually get this dude, love character relaunched and maybe not as a good guy. Um, what'd you think? Could Mick get too cerebral at times? Or were the fans at this point, they're just here to drink beer and watch Steve Austin flip people off and stun them. <laughs> well, that ladder was a, that ladder, uh, uh, option is pretty viable. I think, uh, he was so far ahead of everybody else being over the beer drinking thing was a connection that a lot of guys and gals could identify with. Mick has the ability to be a great heel or a baby face Conrad, because he's a psychologist. He understands, 
the traits that it takes to be successful in either role. So even though we see him today, good old jovial Mick, and he's doing charity work all around the world. It seems like, which is admirable as heck. Uh, there's no doubt he could have been a heel because you just make it personal. You make it personal and you make it personal largely with your words. And Mick was a wordsmith. Yes. So, uh, he'd, he'd have no problem. It's just a matter of being produced, suggested, try this, try that. And he takes all those loose ideas and combines them in his own crazy mind and comes out and delivers a game changing promos. So yeah, he could be a heel. No doubt about it. If he has a story to tell and he uses his, uh, verbal skills to do so. We should also mention that, um, Austin coming out, uh, the week before this big promo, wearing the suit and ripping it off, you know, uh, saying he's not going to be this corporate champion that Vince wants him to be. It does tighten the gap a little bit in the ratings. Raw does a 4.43 rating. That is the second highest rating ever for Monday night raw, but it's not enough to beat nitro, which does a 4.61. Um, we get in this, this build to this main event on April 13th, 1998, a backstage segment where we see Shane really as a character for the first time we had seen Shane as a ringside attendant, you know, picking up hacksaw's cape or you know, being a referee or, uh, helping when there was a melee and he's running out in a suit at WrestleMania and his sneakers and trying to keep everything under control. We had seen all that stuff before from Shane, but this is the first time we see him as a character and being presented as the son of Vince McMahon. what do you think of Shane being on camera? He felt like a natural to me. Yeah, he was good. He was good. Always striving to please his old man. I never saw a son work so diligently to impress, you will please dad. I guess it's something we all should try to do in our lifetimes, please our fathers and our our parents, but it's for us, for a guy, especially pleasing as the old man, the old man, especially when it's an alpha male, like missing man, it's a tall order and it's been hard for Shane to, you know, Vince seemingly put more faith in Stephanie's management abilities than he did Shane's. Rightly or wrongly, I don't know. I don't got no dog in that hunt. Uh, but uh, Shane's a talent. He was a talent. He's and, and if he's produced correctly and he's in a certain well-defined role, he can do pretty much anything on the mic. And then we've seen he's a high spot guy. He's a daredevil. That I'm not overly signed off on, but because the the inevitable is somebody's going to get hurt, and you don't want to be anybody, especially the Shane or anybody else. And of course he's got a, what did he do? Tear his quad. Uh, yeah, he did. Shane. He did. Yeah. Was that on raw or pay-per-view? That was on WrestleMania. Oh, was it WrestleMania really? Yeah. So that's wow. two McMahon. Well, I guess if you count Hunter, uh, that's three torn quads. Well, no four. Cause Vince tore both Hunter tore one Shane tore one. We got to get Linda and Stephanie to come tear their quads <laughs> and then we can round it out. I got a feeling that ain't going to happen, but probably uh, not. Probably it's not. an interesting, it's an interesting, uh, mind thought. Hey, let's talk about William Regal here for a minute. Uh, Lord Steven Regal here is, um, going to be a topic in the observer where Dave says that he needs some time to get himself back into ring shape. 
And allegedly there was discussion that maybe he would be a great opponent for Austin. Of course, they became big pals over in WCW. Did you think that was an opportunity that if Regal was uh, in fighting shape, man, him and Austin in 98, I could see that working. Absolutely. No doubt about it. In my mind, Regal's a great communicator, great promo guy, but you got to have your motor tuned up and ready to rock and roll. And at that time he needed some work in that area. Not, I wasn't ever worried that he wouldn't get there. Right. He's a, he's, you know, he's got a great work ethic. He's a pro. And for an older pro to get this opportunity, if it were to happen is a huge win for them. So, uh, I'm, a, I, I, I always have confidence in, in Regal still do to today. He's one of the best minds in the business. I absolutely love, uh, this next skit here. It feels real and it is a great example of when Vince Russo was on fire, man, it's a tag match of. I hate to say it this way, but maybe underneath guys, it's Pantera and Mr. Aguila taking on Scott Taylor and Brian Christopher. Vince McMahon just walks out, interrupts the match and tells the guys to go to the back because he's <laughs> here to accept the challenge of stone cold, Steve Austin for the main event. Yeah. And Dave Meltzer loved it. He wrote, this is one of the hottest 117 minutes of television in company history. And in some ways, almost reinventing pro wrestling television. Unfortunately, with wrestling barely being an afterthought in the product, ending one of the greatest hype jobs for a television match ever that naturally didn't take place and finished with a six minute climax. That was as bad as the rest of the show was good. So listen, in typical Meltzer fashion, he's going to give some compliments, but he's also going to give us critiques, but I love that line. Do you think that this episode helped reinvent pro wrestling television? I might be a. That might be a little bit of an overstatement, but I could also see validation that, uh, it was a very significant show, obviously, but, uh, it's funny, Conrad, the fans, uh, and I can only use myself as an example because I can't speak for anybody else. Uh, the fans took this whole, we're still talking about this matter. It happened all these years ago. And, uh, but it was just crazy, uh, about how all that played out. So I'll give you an example, a quick one. Uh, I never engaged in a lot of that stuff. I never watched their show back. Uh, maybe I should have, maybe I've been a better professional if I did, I don't know, but, uh, I, I just didn't. And I didn't take it as hard when we lost. How many weeks were loose? 83 weeks. That's what it was, right? That's the name of Eric's podcast. 83 weeks. So, uh, I, I, I couldn't stop. What's I going to do? Take Tuesday off and not do payroll so I could catch up with, uh, the dirt or watch tapes. That wasn't my tape day. My tape day was at the end of the week. That's when I looked at tapes or talents that wanted to come to work or our talents that were being recommended to come to work. So I don't know. I, I, uh, not sure where I was, but bottom line is, uh, it was, those are very important programs to, to, for us to talk about. I'm glad we're doing it, but they, they, all of them were eye opening and kept blazing it, blazing the trail, so to speak, uh, trying to get these new guys over and, and create an awareness for them all. 
So listen, Jim, you get up from your desk and go to the back to try to make sure this match doesn't happen. You're effectively trying to talk Vince out of accepting stone Cold's challenge that too added to the realism of this story. Did it not? I, I hope it did. That yeah. was the intent. Yeah. You know, I I've never relished all these non-announcer roles, but this is a special case because of my relationship in real life with Austin that we'd played up and documented. Uh, and then I don't know what my reason would have been. I'm trying to think Connie, what just cause I was the lead announcer. I had, I wanted to go talk to Vince or was I doing it as a talent relations guy or I can't remember. I think we're trying was, to just blur the lines here and show that, whoa, 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 he can't do this. Uh, and, and I love as we, if you're watching on YouTube, you see Vince, uh, in his locker room and there's the stooges, of course, uh, Briscoe and Patterson, which by the way, I saw something the other day, triple H today is older than Jerry Briscoe was there when he was playing a stooge. Uh, and then there you are in the backstage area. Um, the undertaker is going to come out here. He's going to destroy all four of these, uh, cruiserweights or light heavyweights as they were called. He's going to call Kane out. Of course, we're trying to build towards their unforgiven pay-per-view match. It's going to be an inferno match. Jim, you've called a lot of wrestling matches, seen a lot of crazy ideas, yeah. but we're going to surround the ring with fire. What in the world? Yeah. That's what I said. What in the world? Uh, here's my issue. I didn't have an issue that it was booked or created. My issue was how in the hell are these two giant men going to execute in this particular ring environment? Right. That's what I couldn't figure out because to, and to a good point of the promotion, I had never seen a inferno match, you know, Jerry Briscoe, if you go back and watch that, you know, he's sitting at ringside, uh, accelerating the fuel to make the, the flames uh, more profound. Uh, so a lot of people didn't know that I'm sure maybe they did. So anyway, yeah, it was, uh, I had no idea what was going to happen. And I, and maybe again, for the sake of the storytelling and the intrigue, maybe that's a good thing. In the meantime, we see Jeff Jarrett come down to the ring. His ring entrance now includes confetti coming down from the ceiling. Uh, and of course uh, we get club kamikaze who are going to eventually uh, become uh, Kai and Ty attack him. But then we see Austin backstage and you're back at ringside asking him if he was surprised. And Austin says he was not. And then the uh, infamous backstage hook'em segment with Briscoe and Patterson. This is really fun stuff showing Briscoe and Patterson in their official quote unquote stooge capacity, trying to take care of the boss and show him a few things. And we see uh, Farouk come out, challenges the nation of domination. And when they come out, Shamrock and Blackman, uh, come out to help Farouk. And there's a, a legit injury here for Shamrock in, in this impromptu ball uh, brawl. Uh, and then Terry Funk comes out and brings out his mystery tag team partner. Remember he's no longer, uh, with Mick Foley. Now he's going to be with flash funk, which, you know, gets a, a pop from the live crowd here in Philadelphia. They beat the Quebecers and, uh, you're actually calling him too cold Scorpio. And, um, what was I, I supposed to call it? I, I like one. Well, I'm thankful he wasn't flash funk for long. Uh, I like too cold Scorpio. Why don't you think he had a bigger run with you guys? Just connecting with the audience, just having that ability and the time, the opportunity to connect with the audience. Uh, Charles Skaggs is, a was 
still probably is an amazing athlete. He did shit in the ring that we had not seen at least in, in, in our WWE world. Right. Uh, and you know, he, he had had great success in Japan where Terry Funk was and still is a legend. So, uh, I liked it. I liked it. And Terry was just irreverent enough that he'd have good interaction with the Scorpio or flash funk. I'm with you on that flash funk thing. I didn't, it didn't flip any buttons for me, <laughs> but he is a hell of a hand. And if he had the personality overt personality to go with his, uh, and maybe he did just to get a chance to utilize it, but as he had, had with his athletic skills, uh, we'd have had something there very special. I like Charles. He always worked hard. Next up. Luna's going to come out and challenge Sable. And then Goldust comes out dressed as Sable <laughs> and Luna is going to rip Goldust dress off, leaving him in women's underwear. Sable's going to come out. They start ripping at each other. Crash TV, baby. That's what we're doing. Uh, Shamrock and Blackman are going to go to a double DQ with the new Midnight Express in a match that, uh, well, wasn't all that great. But we do get a stare down with Shamrock and Dan Severin before the match, which could have been pretty fun, I guess. Yeah, uh, it was planned to be fun. We yeah. wanted it to be fun. It never came together, unfortunately. Listen, I, I, I guess I'm just trying to illustrate the point that. Hey, this is a a huge show ratings wise, but it's not necessarily throwing together all this different talent. Cause some of this stuff just doesn't click. It doesn't gel. We're trying things, but what makes this show so landmark was this one big story. And I know that that is like an, almost an age old debate, Jim, about, Hey, what's most important, you know, the stories or the matches. And there's a lot of, there you go. I mean, I think that tells the story plain and simple here. Yeah. Stories, stories are where the money is. And then you hope that the guys that, that you have involved in your stories and if they have helped nurture and contribute to you hope then at the next phase is how they execute in the ring. And then you certainly hope that they deliver in the ring as well as they did telling their story. It's gotta be a package affair, but the story comes first and then following it up with the appropriate physicality in the ring is uh, the next step. We should mention McMahon's going to do another interview talking about how he wasn't afraid of the federal government. He wasn't afraid of Turner and Tom Warner, which gets a big pop from the local crowd. And he's not afraid of Austin. It's all Austin and McMahon on this show. You can tell it's working, whether you're breaking it down by, you know, just the total or the minute by minute or the quarter by quarter. These are the two biggest acts in the company at this point, as crazy as that sounds, one of them being Vince McMahon. Yep. But this thread throughout just keeps people tuning in and it gives people a chance to call their friends, you know, and That's say, Hey it. man, you got to check this out. Here it comes. You're not, you're not, you're not going to believe what's happening tonight on raw. If you're not watching switch over, right? Switch over to the USA network and catch this shit. It should be really good. And it was, it was really good. The headbangers are going to come out. Undertaker is going to take care of them until Kane finally comes out. And Paul bear says that Kane would fight him next week in their parents' graveyard. I know that, uh, Bruce thinks this is the greatest story in, in WWE history, and it is one hell of a story, but at times of course he did. Bruce has an invested yes, in, and has an investment. He's undertaker's guy. And he had a good relationship with Paul bear as many of us did with the old territory days, but Bruce has always been very partial and rightfully so I'm not knocking it. 
with his Undertaker stuff. He he earned he uh, he has owned parts of the IP by his efforts, Bruce's efforts. So good for him. Hey, so, like, I, so, any, any success Taker can get, Conrad, I'm all for. So invested, uh, Bruce named his son Kane. Spells it the same yeah. way too. <laughs> Um, Owen is going to pin Billy Gunn in eight minutes and 39 seconds. It's a pretty decent match. Uh, DX is going to be with you on commentary. Uh, Hunter is going to be hilariously ripping on Legion of doom. Uh, Austin feels a little, or Owen rather, feels a little lost in the shuffle here. In hindsight, was that a missed opportunity on the heels of the screw job and all that? Owen should have been a bigger star. Don't you think? I think so. Yeah, I think so. He could have carried the load. Uh, I don't know why he wasn't given the afforded that opportunity. Uh, you know, I don't know if it's some of those deals where it's like, uh, uh, well, um, uh, you know, you, you, you held me up for money and I got a, you got a big contract. Your brother was, was a big pain in the ass, blah, blah, blah. So here's where you are. You're in the middle of the card it, to put Owen Hart with his amazing skills in the middle of any card is silly. It's illogical. So yeah, we, we, I think we missed the boat on that deal. Owen would have been, should have been elevated more and, and, and had a bigger role, but unfortunately that was not the case. And we missed an opportunity there without question. Do you think Austin would have been hesitant to work with Owen because given their story at SummerSlam, it feels like he could have been a top contender for Austin. The story's right there, right? Oh yeah. I, I, you know, I've never heard. Steve's never shared with me that he would not want to work with Owen for any reason. I've never heard that. Now he may have felt that way and didn't want it to get in the locker room because he didn't want to be a turd. I don't know, but, uh, Steve's never in, indicated to me that he would not work with Owen. Look, if both of them are healthy and if Steve was looking for somebody, I know this sounds hot, you know, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, crazy, I guess. For the guy that hurt him, who is actually one of the safest guys in the company. Right. So if you look at, take that, that, uh, the, like the Olympic judging, eliminate the high and the low, mm. what do you got? Oh, mm. you got a great match any night of the week, any, any arena, any venue, and it would be good. So we missed the, missed the boat on that, but that may have been, you know, Steve may have said to Vince, did it said to me that he'd rather not work with Owen. So. Someday I'll ask you. Let's talk about, uh, the main event. It's finally here. It's an epic angle. Vince is going to come out strutting man without a shirt on. We've never seen him at this point showing off how jacked he is. And Meltzer would write as McMahon got ready in the corner, doing more of a UFC gimmick than a pro wrestler dude. Love showed up. Setting up his heel turn to apparently be Austin's foe at the April 26th pay-per-view from Greensboro. It could also end up being McMahon, although not as a secret foe. Love tries to stop the match, but McMahon shoves him down. Love tries to put the mandible claw on McMahon, but was stopped and wound up attacking and destroying Austin who had one hand tied behind his back. The crowd reaction to this was heat, but the wrong kind. The kind they had when the unforgiving crowd booed as Bob Holly missed a Frankensteiner and not the kind they had as McMahon delivered his heel interview earlier in the show. 
Fans were mad that the match that had been hyped for two hours was a fraud. And despite Austin having one hand tied behind his back being pummeled, nobody cared about that aspect of the angle. While the hype was amazing, people leaving the building were mad. What'd you think? Is this a bait and switch JR? Don't feel that way. Conrad It's interesting. I'm trying to, uh, absorb your points there on this situation and this bait and switch thing, but I didn't have a bad feeling about this deal. Now you got to remember my role's different than us as a fan. I got to get talents ready to go the take the next step. Right. And I knew that Steve would have no issues working with Mick because Mick wasn't going to hurt him right. or hurt anybody. So, uh, I, it was a way to get Steve married to take, to excuse me, to get Steve married to, uh, uh, to Mick dude, love in this case, Oh, Mike Kyoto there on YouTube, well, this YouTube thing's great. If you're not checking out our YouTube channel, folks, you're missing out a lot. And it's, it's sure as hell fair price. huh, Connie. It's free, baby. That's it. So, uh, but this is a hell of a night. I, I thought it got over good. You know, and like I said, Mick can be a heel. But you, you know, you got to give, you can't take all the hope away from the guy with one arm tied behind his back and he wasn't going to let that happen anyway. So I don't know. I don't think it was bait and switch, but, but I can see somebody making that argument. I just can't, I don't feel that. I mean, I would argue that it is a bait and switch, but at the same time, I asked myself self, did I really think Vince was going to wrestle the match? I mean, we knew no matter what was going to happen. If Austin's got one arm tied behind his back and Vince comes down with a crew, whether it's Stooges or dude love, the inevitable is going to happen with one arm tied behind your back. But what was not inevitable is an all-time record in a competitive situation. This is the most that people had ever watched wrestling ever. It's a 4.63 rating. It does a 4.3 first hour and a 4.95 second hour and a 7.1 share. Meanwhile, Nitro loses for the first time in 84 weeks. This is now week number one of WWE winning. Nitro does a 4.34 rating, which is a 4.43 for the first hour, a 4.23 for the second hour, and a 4.38 for the third hour. That gets a 6.97 share. Wow. So think about that, folks. When you combine both of those, you're talking over a 14 share between both shows. So just to break that down in simple terms, if there's a hundred folks watching television, all stations, and in 1998, you got to assume if you had cable or direct TV or dish network, you probably had 60, 70 channels collectively. If there were a hundred people watching more than 14 of them were watching pro wrestling. This is great for the industry. Yeah. Like I said, we've used this term again. Uh, high tides raise all ships. Yes. There was a keen interest. And I'll bet you Conrad that the Indies during this time, the weekend shows, the armories, the high school gyms and all those things, I would tell you, I'm just guessing that they were also in an upswing. They were selling more tickets because, uh, this whole Monday night thing, it created a huge awareness for this specific genre of pro wrestling. I loved it. I mean, this is such a, a great time, by the way, this is also an era where nitro has a replay that comes on later that night. Right. And even that does a 1.3 rating, but of course there's less people watching TV at that time of night. 
a 1.3 is still a 6.1 share. Now I'm curious from your standpoint, because we've heard Vince Russo say before that when this news comes in on a Tuesday afternoon, all you guys are, I guess, together working on the show, working out thing, whatever it is, you're in the office. And he says, allegedly it came down something like this. Just another day. There's no big celebration. It's, Hey, great job guys. What are we doing next? Again, and that's yep. what it was in this era. It's, it's a windshield game, not a, not a rear view mirror game, right? Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, like I said earlier, I alluded to this same thing earlier. Uh, you know, I, I was so busy with things that had to be done, right? Not, well, we should get this done this week. He, if I didn't work up the payroll, the mat, the, 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 the talent aren't going to get paid. Can't do that. He sure as hell can't do that ever. And that never happened to me. My payroll was never late in all the years I was there because I knew how important it was for the talent, <coughs> excuse me, because some of them were living paycheck to paycheck. Uh, you know, you got to pay for those big booze from your girlfriend. Well, what are you going to do? That's important, Jim. Important. Yeah, it's important. So anyhow, seriously, uh, uh, we just, we just too busy to stop and enjoy. And that's probably a problem. I wish we had done that more often, but we didn't. And we worked for a guy that, you know, it was, it was about, what are you going to do for me this week? And maybe that's the right attitude for a chairman of the board to have in, in this role. I don't know. Probably is. By the way, I just want to remind everybody the main event on the other side, which, uh, Tony Schiavone and I just watched yesterday on his podcast, what happened when was sting versus Kevin Nash for the world title. Um, it's pretty crazy to think about what Monday night raw is able to do here. The, the match that doesn't happen between Vince and Austin, just that match, that little quarter hour, if you will, does a 6.0 and a 10.2 share. It's in 4.41 million homes. Meanwhile, Kevin Nash and sting is doing a 4.3 rating and it's in 3,145,000 homes. That's good. So so combined, you got a 10.3 rating and 7,559,000 homes watching television. You're talking more than 14 million people. This is just once in a lifetime stuff. I'm sure it seems at the time you guys are both going to continue to get hotter through the rest of the year. But even just at the live gate, this is just a regular Monday night raw in Philadelphia. And there's 14,280 folks here paying over a quarter million dollars, 253 grand and change. Yeah. And you've got another $153,000 and change in merch, which is like $10 and 76 cents ahead. Is this the hottest you've ever seen wrestling at this point? I think so. Yeah, I think so. Going back and looking at the numbers. I think so. Connie, it was uh, pretty amazing. And we're all happy. Those of us that had invested our life in pro wrestling. I don't know how smart that is, but <laughs> I'm kidding. But anyway, those of us that have become so committed, uh, to the product, you know, from going from making $125 a week to now making, you know, I was making well north of six figures. So my, my journey had been pretty amazing for an old bad Oklahoma country boy. So, uh, but shows you what hard work and commitment will do for you. You can't do that part-time. You can't work hard part-time. 
uh, you can't. And some people work hard. They don't get the immediate results that they thought they should. And they stop trying. I never stopped trying, even though I'd overcome chubby cheeks, Oklahoma drawl, three bouts of facial paralysis, et cetera, et cetera. I didn't, oh, maybe I wasn't smart enough to figure out that this whole scenario just might not work. JR. I never looked at failure. I never evaluated it. Never looked at it very closely. So, uh, but I think it was the best, it was the best time. We were all making great money, all making great money. Talents are killing it. That's why I said, I made that comment earlier. I think we had 21 talents mm. in this era, make a million bucks that year. And that's $19,000 a week. Conrad. It's a lot of money. A lot of money. I tell you what's not a lot of money. AG one, you and I start our day every day with a little athletic greens. And we do it because we want better gut health. We want more energy. We want to optimize our immune system and we want something that actually tastes good. Well, what is this stuff? Well, with one delicious scoop of AG one, man, you're getting 75 high quality vitamins. You're getting the minerals, the whole food source, superfoods, the probiotics and the adaptogens, everything you need to start your day. Right. And I tell you, this works for whatever lifestyle you're trying to rock, whether it's keto or paleo, or maybe you're vegan or dairy or gluten-free leggy well, one still for you. It's got less than one gram of sugar. There's no GMOs. There's no nasty chemicals. There's no artificial anything, but it's still going to help you with your sleep quality and your recovery, your mental clarity and your alertness. Think of it for like, well, all your things. It's a special blend of ingredients for gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, your focus, your recovery, your aging. It's like you're all in one nutritional insurance. And this stuff is the real deal, man. They've got more than 7,000 five-star reviews. And right now we think it's time for you to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with daily convenient nutrition. Just one scoop and a cup of water. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. And to make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you got to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash JR. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash JR to take over the ownership of your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. You know, this product is really taken off, Conrad. I see commercials on, on national TV commercials and things. Uh, there's momentum is behind this product because real simple, it works. Yes, it does. It's simple to execute. It's good for your health. It helps everybody's health. No matter what your issues may be, you could get them addressed in a succinct, timely and effective way. Athletic greens is the way to go. And it's just so easy. I wonder why you don't do it. Check it out. You're going to be glad you did. I'm telling you right now. Why not? It's athleticgreens.com slash JR. Jim, let's get to some questions here. Uh, big Good. extra wants to know who produced you and the King on the headset when Vince was busy on screen. Nobody It's great. I'd love to see Vince written in the show all through the show. If you could, but nobody, uh, you know, Kevin Dunn was there. It would help us if we needed it. Or as far as traffic was concerned. Kevin never said what to say or anything like that. He was a very good producer, but he kept us abreast of the traffic and, uh, timing issues and things of that nature. So when Vince was a Mr. McMahon character, uh, I think Lawler and I did some of our best work because we were free to create without any restrictions or perceived restrictions. 
Uh, Brad Stanton wants to know, uh, could the WWE ended the streak in this era without the Mr. McMahon character? Uh, I would say no, not, I mean, maybe somebody else gets hot or close to being as hot as Vince was, uh, but he had white heat. Uh, so I, I'm sure maybe somebody in the right search and circumstance or somebody's thinking under, well, what about this guy? What about that guy? What if you did this? What if you did that? Well, we didn't. Uh, and he carried the load. So I don't, I, I, my answer to that may be ill-advised, but I'd say, no, he, he pulled off something that I don't know that anybody else could have. Well said Michael McClanahan wants to know, this is one of my favorite Jim Ross calls of all time. When he says, quote, I just bought a house. <laughs> How much fun was it to call matches at this point during the Monday night war era? And does Jr. have any favorite calls from this time, this, uh, time frame? I don't know if I have any favorites. Uh, it seemed like every Monday night we had something great happen that you could invest in as an announcer. Uh, but I had a great time when you see talents that are happy. How many of my issues as the head of talent relations, do you think were eliminated? Thanks to the fact that these folks were making big money. Money solves everything in wrestling. It's the number one priority. You know, it's just, it just is. And, and I, and maybe it's that way everywhere. You see all these NFL guys wanting raises and things of that nature. Uh, and they deserve it if that's the case. So no, I, I, uh, I had, a I had, a, I had a great time and Vince gave us some freedom. The more Vince is on camera, the more Lauder and I could ad lib. And I think our ad libs still stand to this very day. I hear these, these, these little memes or whatever you want to call them all the time. So I wish we made money on these, uh, replays of this, of these sound bites. But we don't. Well, uh, let's talk about Carl Hayes. He's riding along with us. Uh, he's part of our live studio audience today. Appreciate you ch- hanging out with us, Carl. By the way, if you join ad free shows, you can be a part of our live audience. Uh, he wants to know would DX be the second best faction? A change took part from the originals to the new formation and successful. The horsemen removing Ole and adding Barry while new, it was an upgrade in some ways. I could see that maybe, you know, we always say nothing's as good as the original. Like when we talk about movies and whatnot, but I think this second version of DX is probably better than the first version of DX. I I can't disagree with that. They worked. Yeah. They started gelling. They started all of them getting comfortable with each other and, and they allotted significant times for everybody to communicate verbally. So it wasn't like a one-sided issue, even though triple H was obviously the alpha male as he should have been. So, uh, I, I think, I think that we're, they were really good. They were, they really, really helped us. And I was happy for Billy scissor me, daddy. And I was happy for, uh, uh, road dog, two old veterans worked their way up. And now they got a chance to make a million dollars a year. If they stay healthy and sane out of trouble and we keep drawing. They got it made because they're going to be booked at all the shows. Uh, our old, old pal, coach Rosie wants to know, Jim, did you get a chance to watch the dusty roads biography on a and E? What'd you think? <clears throat> you know what, Connie, I, I, there's been so much programming on Sunday nights in the last couple of weeks from basketball to uh, WrestleMania, et cetera. I did not see that. And I'm a religious, uh, consumer of the, uh, Sunday night, a and E programming. I have not seen the dusty bio. Did you see it? I did see it. It's fantastic. I highly recommend yeah. you check it out. Did I make the edit? 
Yeah, you're in there. Am I really? Yeah, yeah. That's cool. Well, I, I accept. <laughs> I accepted their check, so I'm accepting their. There you go. Using me. Why yeah. not? Uh, we'll do one last one, and this boy is okay. a little controversial. Jeremy Driscoll wants to know. Not apropos to the subject, but would like to hear Jim's response to Michael Cole's recent comments. Quote, I won't be a 75, 80 year old man doing this weekend, week out. Hashtag red ass JR. <laughs> well, you know, to each his own, you know, I'm in a situation, Conrad, where we've talked about this before. It's a unique thing to be alone. It's a unique thing to have your life partner, not with you. Right. Sticking a chance. So I, I work because I still love pro wrestling and I love having somewhere to go every week. Michael's in a different situation. He's got a, he's got a family at home is, you know, he's got a wonderful wife. I'm sure he saved his cash. Uh, he always was thrifty and that's good. So, uh, and I, I don't know how long, much longer he's going to go, but I don't perceive that as a shot at me whatsoever. Uh, look, when I was his age, I would have never thought that good old JR would be doing a weekly show at 71 years old. Right. Not many have done this. Right. So I, I do it for my own mental health and I do it because I love it. And you know, this is going to sound horrible, but I still think I'm pretty damn good at it. That ain't, I try to be. that ain't horrible. You know, so there you go. So I didn't look at it as a personal thing whatsoever. I like Michael. He's a good friend. And, you know, we exchange Texas from time to time. When I hear him do something, I think is really, really good. I'll let him know. Cause that's what we all should do in our business. Absolutely. Well, let's talk about business because business is going to be a booming next week. We're going to be talking about Rob van dam and who better to talk about on 420. We'll talk about the ins, <laughs> the outs and everything in between yeah. along the way, man, check out my interview with Jim Johnston. That's right. The guy who did the iconic themes to the undertaker stone cold, Steve Austin, the ultimate warrior, and so many of your other favorites. He sits down with me to do a brand new conversations with Conrad to take us behind the theme. And right now you can get early and ad free access to more than a dozen of your favorite podcasts, even be a part of our live studio audience. It starts at just $9 a month. And right now I want to let you try it for free. That's right. A seven day free trial right now at adfreeshows.com. Yeah, that's great. Want to give you a heads up. If your business is looking for men, 25 to 54 years old, man, there's no better place to advertise than right here on grilling. Jr. You've heard us do some of the same commercials year after year. And why is that? Well, because it really works. Yeah. And with our super targeted audience, there's very little waste. Go right now to advertise with jr.com to find out more about advertising here on grilling. Jr. Love to have your social interactions as well. You can follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at JR grilling. You can find grilling JR on Facebook, but the easiest way to keep up with us is over on YouTube. It's grilling JR on youtube.com. Uh, we've, we've changed some things. I think you're going to dig it. It's a, a whole yeah. new feel. And, and speaking of new feel, we got a lot of new fun stuff over uh, on our merch side of things. We've got uh, grilling but by God, redemption. We got a fun oh. new t-shirt there. The voice of wrestling, our slobber knocker tea, tons of fun stuff, including some tumblers, which are really fun. If you're getting out and about, maybe you're doing some road trips. Maybe you're going to be on the boat. Maybe you're going down to the beach. Maybe you're going to be hanging out poolside. Everything you need to represent your favorite podcast is at grillingjrts.com. 
but this right now, Jim doesn't feel like it, but before you know it, it's going to be grilling season and that's jrsbbq.com. That's where you got to go for everything you need. I use some JR's all purpose seasoning over the weekend. We grilled up some uh, grilled chicken breasts on Saturday night and Ooh, my goodness, hard to beat. And I got to tell you, Jim, before I fell in love with yours, I had another seasoning. I liked slap your mama. You ever tried that? Yeah. Yeah. It's good. I like slap your mama, but I prefer yours so much more. Like I couldn't tell you the last time we even had slap your mama. And, and I, I thought <laughs> that is a fun name, but the all purpose seasoning, that's the home run. It's hard to beat buddy. It's it hard is. to beat on a lot of things. It's got, a, it's got a lot of versatility. I love for the fans to, uh, uh, tweet us or Facebook us or whatever they choose to do or not. Uh, how they use these seasonings and our other products. Uh, you know, somebody sent me a text this week or, a uh, email. What the fuck? What was a, what did I get? I got a, I get a text. I got a tweet. Jesus shit getting old. Uh, and they were talking about, uh, their wife for Easter made her traditional deviled eggs mm. and she used our mustard. Oh, there you go. And her deviled egg uh, thing, and the guy couldn't quit raving about it enough. So there's a lot of diverse diversity in this deal. I said all along, and we've had a special or so on the, our chipotle ketchup, that if you take a ramekin, that's a little bowl, and put some uh, the sauce the sauce in it, and warm it up for maybe 20 seconds, it makes a great steak sauce. Uh, so anyway, it's there's a lot of ways to skin that cat. We appreciate the business. We appreciate you just simply going to our site and looking around, uh, father's day is coming up soon. You know, there's birthdays, there's anniversaries. This is, and it's sometimes it's not that you don't have to have a gift. Just, you know, you, I keep this stuff in my pantry, uh, as you can imagine. So, uh, it's all good, man. I, we're, business is good. We're getting into our season. We are working every day. That's not a, that's not made up every day. So, uh, anyway, I'm, and we're grateful. We're very, very grateful. Check it out. JRsbbq.com. If you haven't already try the red ass JR hot sauce, we sort of, uh, created that here on the podcast accidentally. Yeah. And man, every time I turn around, my DMS are filled with people who are telling me how much they love it. If you're a hot, hot sauce connoisseur, you got to check it out. It's all JRsbbq.com. Jim, I don't know what I expected today, but it sure was fun revisiting yeah. one of the biggest moments in WWE history, Austin versus McMahon for the very first time. Game changing show for multiple reasons. And, uh, I enjoyed it too, Connie. You did a great job. I was usually leading me through the forest and we were out on the other side as we are now. And we did a good show. We appreciate everybody's tuning in and, uh, we hope that you'll do this every week and let everybody know, Hey. OJR's got a podcast. Yeah, he does. Check it out, boys and girls. Grilling JR on YouTube.com. We'll be back next week. Don't forget to tune in tomorrow night. You're going to be watching the voice of wrestling on Rampage from Milwaukee. He's there each and every Friday. You don't want to miss it. And we'll see you next week right here on Grilling JR with the voice of wrestling, Mr. Jim Ross. Thanks, everybody. Have a great week. We, we appreciate you very much. Bye bye. Hey guys, Eric Bischoff here, and just want to call a quick time out. I want to tell your listeners about what I've been telling everybody at over at 83 weeks for quite a while now about all the cool things that are happening over at adfreeshows.com. 
He created the soundtrack for generations of WWE fans with some of the most iconic themes in history. Legendary composer Jim Johnston sits down with Conrad to take us behind the themes that we all grew up on, including Randy Orton's Voices. That's just a small taste of what we've got waiting for you with four levels to choose from. See for yourself why ad-free shows is the best value in wrestling today. Sign up now at adfreeshows.com. John brings his skewed sense of humor. Jeff brings tips to cut strokes off your next round. Together, it's those weekend golf guys. They'll pay a lot of money to PXG and Titleist and Callaway and on and on and on. Right? How many yards do you think you're going to pick up with that extra? I think I can get an extra 5 to 10. What if I give you 15 to 20? <laughs> you pay me more. Jeff Smith right? teaches on the sliding scale. <laughs> those weekend golf guys, the podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen.